This is M.I.P. With Masamela Matsumo. Mark Thompson. Get woke. About two dozen demonstrators arrested at the U.S. Capitol yesterday, standing up for voting rights, including our good friends Tamika Mallory and Latasha Brown and Cliff Albright and the Reverend Stephen Green, Linda Sarsour, my son Lennon, and other clergy, including young people who had joined those clergy on a hunger strike for voting rights on the steps of the Senate side of the U.S. Capitol. Yesterday was the beginning of this week of debate around voting rights. And we're going to see probably today, uh, there's a strong likelihood there's going to be a vote today on whether or not to keep the arcane filibuster that we've talked about so much even on this show. We will see what happens Manchin and Cinema seem to be holding their position. Um, you know, they shall not be moved. They say they shall not be moved from ending the filibuster. And that should be of great, great concern to us all. Democrats seem to want to make the case that Republicans should not be left off the hook in this. Well, no, but. Republicans don't ever have the problem of member when they're in the majority of members of their party turning on them or preventing them from doing anything. Except maybe, you know, that time John McCain would not overturn the Affordable Care Act. He did the right thing. Mansion and cinema will not do the right thing. In fact, they refuse to do the right thing. And therein lies the problem. So a lot of debate yesterday, there'll be more debate today. Want to begin um, with some of the remarks of no good Mitch McConnell, just to kind of set the context for what our enemies are doing. These are our Republican enemies, not to mention our Democratic enemies. But here is Mitch McConnell from yesterday. Democrats want the American people to believe the filibuster was not a Jim Crow relic in 2005. 
was not even a Jim Crow relic, a Jim Crow relic uh, in 2020. Just miraculously became a Jim Crow relic in 2021. Briefly stopped being a Jim Crow relic last Thursday, but it's now back to being a Jim Crow relic this week. Now to be clear, the partisan election takeover bills that Democrats want to ram through this week are not, not in any way successors of the civil rights legislation from the mid 20th century. It has been, is today, and will remain illegal to discriminate against voters anywhere in America because of their race, period. That's the law. More lies from Mitch McConnell. I mean, we know it's supposed to be illegal, but that's not what's actually taking place. Interesting mashup from the recount, courtesy of the recount. Um, Mitch McConnell, um, at one time, uh, contradicting himself when it comes to the filibuster, but more than one time, but this is a, a, a clip of him uh, saying that. When I was a majority leader, some of my own party urged me to break the Senate for our own party's short-term gain. My answer was a simple word, no. We need to restore the norms and traditions of the Senate and get past this unprecedented partisan filibuster. Therefore, I raise a point of order that the vote on cloture under the precedent set on November 21st, 2013, is a majority vote on all nominations. That was the the move that would change the filibuster rules, the latter comment from Mitch McConnell. The, the vote that would change the rules when it comes to the filibuster and Supreme Court justices, which was done away with. Chuck Grassley from yesterday, Senator Chuck Grassley. This is Laura's senator and our good friend in Iowa. Democrats accused Republicans of wanting to keep people from voting. Why would we want to keep people from voting when we have been very successful in many large turnout elections very recently? <laughs> really? Dude, why would we want to keep people from voting? Well, you are. That's, that's, that's all you've done. That's your modus operandi. And no, you've not been successful. You haven't. You don't win, obviously, Republicans, unless you cheat. Senator Raphael Warnock. And as the pastor of Ebenezer Church, where Martin Luther King Jr. preached, I take great umbrage with members of this body who are arguing that somehow this is a federal takeover. They are marshalling old states' rights arguments, the same arguments that Faubus used, Governor Faubus, in response to Brown versus Board of Education, the same arguments used by Richard B. Russell of Georgia when he wanted to stand in the way of civil rights, the same arguments used by Strom Thurmond when he had the largest filibuster in the history of the Senate arguing against voting rights. What did he argue? He argued for states' rights. And that's what we've been hearing in recent days. And so let the message go out. 
You cannot remember Martin Luther King Jr. and dismember his legacy at the same time. You, you can argue whatever side you want, but you, you do not get to argue both sides. You do not get to offer praises and plaudits, praises in and platitudes in memory of Dr. King and marshal the same kinds of states, states' rights arguments that were used against the Civil Rights Movement and against Martin Luther King Jr. And so this is a moral moment. And you have to decide. Senator Raphael Warnock, of course he's referring to Kirsten Sinema, who uh, tweeted out a remembrance of Dr. King. She was dragged uh, on Twitter for it. While she is the living epitome of the contradiction he's talking about, the remembrance of Dr. King while you dismember him. More MIP after this message. Senator Chris Van Hollen. Now, Mr. President, I think it's worth pointing out that the Senate contains built-in protections for the minority by its very structure. The two senators from Wyoming represent 578,000 of our fellow Americans. The two senators from California represent 39 million of our fellow Americans. Two senators from Wyoming represent 578,000 people. Two senators from California represent 39 million Americans. But here in the Senate, each of those senators, whether from Wyoming or California, have votes of equal weight. You can do the math, the political math. People of Wyoming are already exerting influence here in the Senate way out of proportion to their share of the American population. That's in the structure. But if you layer the current version of the Senate filibuster rule on top of the Senate structure and on top of the other protections for minority rights enshrined in our Constitution, you further nullify the will of the American people. You nullify the will of the majority of our fellow citizens. It's a it's a triple nullification if you really if you really look at it. Uh, you have the um, minority, as Chris Van Hollen clearly pointed out, you have the, the minority represented. Every state has an equal number of senators. Okay, so there's that. Then you have the minority with the power to filibuster. Add that to the equation. We're doing this math. Then you have the minority of two people in the majority party who will not protect the majority. That is that is a triple minority, a, a triple sort of a setback to to what is going on here. Three or three layers of minority. That's like, that's even more than apartheid. <laughs> I mean, there was just a one minority party in South Africa. 
running everything. And then, then you have this. Senator Elizabeth Warren. The filibuster is a wicked tool used to kill legislation supported by the majority of Americans of all political parties. And that's true for protecting the right to vote and gun safety legislation and immigration reform and codifying Roe versus Wade. The filibuster thwarts the will of the people. Today's filibuster doesn't encourage debate. It promotes cowardice. Senators can torpedo bills without saying a single word in public or even stepping to the floor of the United States Senate. This is not how a so-called deliberative body should operate. Senators should be required to talk and vote instead of hiding behind a rule. They should have to put skin in the game. If Republicans are fine with the wave of anti-voter laws being enacted in state after state, then they should have to come to the floor and make that clear. If Republicans oppose reinstating the Voting Rights Act that passed in this chamber unanimously in 2006, their constituents and the historical record should know exactly where they stand. But instead, because of how today's filibuster works, we have two sets of rules in our country. One for Democrats who want to promote civil rights and liberties, and another set for Republicans who want to take them away. Republicans who want to close polling places, who want to limit voting, who want to pass gerrymandered maps, are hard at work doing that right now with simple majorities in state legislatures all across this country. They face no filibusters to stop them. It's majority rule all the way. And here in Washington, when Republicans want to pass massive tax cuts for billionaires and rig our tax code to favor big businesses. Elizabeth Warren making her case just uh, last night. More MIP after this message. She also appeared on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert. But certainly, the, the the existence of the filibuster is no surprise, and the the you know standing shoulder to shoulder by the Republicans is not necessar necessarily a surprise. If you know that the vote won't pass tomorrow, what is the purpose? What is the benefit of actually holding the vote? So I, I want to back up just a little bit. The fact that 50 Republicans will stand shoulder to shoulder, look you right in the eye and say, you know, it's just fine with me to keep people from going to the polls if they might vote Democratic. It's just fine with me to say that if a Republican legislature doesn't like the fact that people in their state voted majority Democratic, that nonetheless they plan to keep control themselves and not count those votes. It's just fine with them to gerrymander so that a smaller and more extremist majority can continue to control over the minority, can continue to control over the majority in this country. It is not something that we should just say, hey, that's okay. One of the two major political parties in America has now said that it is their policy 
to win by keeping American citizens from voting. And by, we ought to put them on the record, make them vote on that, make a record of that, and hold them accountable in the next election. Enough. Enough. Senator Elizabeth Warren, courtesy of uh, The Late Show with, with Stephen Colbert. And the burn spoke to his constituency yesterday as well. Uh, tomorrow, uh, the Senate is going to be casting an enormously important vote. And that vote has to do whether or not we preserve the foundations of American democracy or whether we allow Republican governors and legislatures all across this country to suppress the vote, to impose extreme gerrymandering, to attack independent elected officials, all of which the goal is to make it harder for people to vote, people who will vote against Republicans. It is an outrage. And tomorrow we have the opportunity to overturn what these governors and legislatures are doing. And in one way, this is a very complicated issue, you know, constitutional aspects, etc., etc. But on the other hand, it's a pretty simple issue. And that is, tomorrow, will we vote to allow majority to rule 50 votes plus the vice president, or will we maintain the archaic and undemocratic process of needing 60 votes to pass this bill? That's what tomorrow is about. Now, right now, every Republican will be voting against us, and that's pretty pathetic. But what's equally pathetic is of now two Democrats will be voting against us as well. I would hope very much that those two Democrats, Senator Sinema and Senator Manchin, will rethink their position and understand that the foundations of American democracy are at stake, and I hope they will join 48 of us and allow us to win this enormously important vote. Thank you. The senator from Vermont, Bernie Sanders, making uh, his case known as well. Senator Jeff Merkley of Oregon yesterday. Perhaps most important, you have an incentive for both sides to negotiate. Because under the no-show, no-effort, invisible filibuster that we've had since 1975, the minority of either side says, you know, if I can get 41 of our minority members to agree not to close debate, and all I have to do is not even show up to vote, or show up to vote if they like, but vote no, then the majority can never get anything done. And won't that enhance our political power in the minority party? That's an almost irresistible temptation in the tribal partisan warfare of today. So each minority is tempted into basically exercising a veto over the majority party's policy agenda. That is an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind strategy. The Democrats sabotage the Republican majority. The Republicans sabotage the Democratic majority. But under the public filibuster, not only is the public involved, but the minority has to maintain continuous debate, which can be hard. So they have an incentive to negotiate. And the majority, seeing the time burned up that they need for other things, other policy bills and nominations, they have an incentive to negotiate. 
So you get amendments, you get the public involved, and most important, you recreate an incentive to negotiate. That is the reinvigorated filibuster strategy, the talking filibuster, or call it the public filibuster, or just call it extended debate on final passage of the bill. Whatever you call it, it is better than the paralysis and partisanship that are destroyed the Senate's ability to address the questions that face this nation. And there is no more important question than defending the right of every citizen to vote. Thank you, Mr. President. Senator Jeff Merkley making his case on yesterday. So that's one of the things that is uh, uh, up for consideration, whether or not there should be the return to a talking filibuster, thereby requiring um, the minority to talk. You know, Senator and Manchin are concerned about what's going to happen when uh, or if they should say, hopefully if, but it's looking more like when Republicans take over power in the Senate. And her concern is that they are going to do away with filibuster. Look at that. They're going to do it anyway. You either preserve our voting rights now or you wait um, and let it and, and or you don't and you say we're going to preserve the filibuster instead of voting rights and then the Republicans take away the filibuster again next year because you wouldn't preserve voting rights to prevent them from winning it's, it's just that simple and she's not able to see that I guess neither is Manchin Senator Amy Klobuchar I want to start by responding to some of the points that have been raised as reasons not to move forward with legislation at this watershed moment, as reason not to do what it takes to come to protecting the most sacred of rights, the right to vote. Some have argued that allowing voting rights legislation to pass the Senate without clearing a 60 vote threshold would be a mistake that would open the door to somehow leading to wild swings in federal policy. I'm trying to imagine this place ever uh, involved in such a thing, given how slowly we go and how many people understandably want to make sure we're careful in how we pass laws. But that's one of the things that has been raised for why we need some kind of a 60 vote threshold, which, of course, is not in the Constitution. The word filibuster, a cloture, not in the Constitution. And in fact, legislatures across this land, some of them do very good things, do not use a 60 vote threshold. In fact, democracies across the world do not use a 60 vote threshold. The truth is this, we have tried for months to persuade our Republican colleagues to join us in supporting legislation, to work with us, to debate it. But what they do is they throw a wrench into the process and then basically walk out that door and go home. We don't have that debate that allows us to have amendments and allows us to ultimately have a vote on the bill. It is cut off from a vote. When you look at the past, when it comes to voting rights, it has been bipartisan, not even that long ago. But this time, this time, even reauthorizing the Voting Rights Act, something that has been law of the land, supported on a bipartisan basis that the President of the United States pointed out when he was in Atlanta, this time, no. Senator Amy Klobuchar also making a strong case. Democrats making these cases. I shared with you what Ellie Mistel had tweeted. And I hope you had a chance to look at his epic thread on this. And, you know, I don't know. We just have to wonder 
what's really going on. Hakeem Jeffries. Uh, it's not dead, and we have to continue to press forward in the spirit uh, and out of reverence and respect for the life and legacy of Dr. King with the fierce urgency of now until we can get the John Robert Lewis Voting Rights Act and the Freedom to Vote Act over the finish line. You know, Anderson, in a democracy, there has to be an equilibrium, a balance between majority rule and minority rights. What we have in the Senate right now is an inversion of this basic principle. We have minority rule, and the will of the majority of the American people is being subverted and obstructed when it comes to this sacred, special right to vote. Uh, and we cannot rest until we get this situation resolved. Hakeem Jeffries, um, the uh, prospective next speaker of the House. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I will be, I'm headed this morning to the Senate gallery. We'll be in the Senate gallery, not to um, demonstrate or anything, but rather to witness history that will either be great or history that will be infamous today. I want to shout out all my colleagues who were arrested yesterday at the U.S. Senate. We we got to find a way to keep on fighting. We have to figure out a way to keep on standing up. All of us do. This fight continues. Talk to you tomorrow after visiting the Senate today. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.